Shelby, and you're listening to a special broadcast of The Rant Reloaded. As the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse wrapped up, the prosecution and defense made their closing arguments. I couldn't help but notice the prosecution's video evidence was extremely insufficient. While, yes, the video the prosecution used supported their claims, the parts of the video show that show the assault by the mob upon Kyle were cut out. The fact that the only people who were shot were those that physically attacked Kyle Rittenhouse, thus becoming an immediate life to, to threat to life and limb. In other words, the prosecution's video was edited to make sure the jury did not see these facts. Fortunately, the defense was smart enough to show the footage that the prosecution conveniently left out. The footage that shows Rittenhouse trying to run away from a riotous mob to get to a police officer when several members of that mob caught up with him, knocked him to the ground, and began assaulting him. Contrary to what the prosecution claims, Rittenhouse was at the time he was assaulted not an active shooter. Up to this point, he had shot one man in self-defense, that man being a five-foot-four yet muscular runt with a big dog complex who had tried to take the weapon and assault Rittenhouse, at which time Rittenhouse fled not into hiding but to the police, who ignored him and drove off. This is not the action of a young man trying to play vigilante, as the prosecution has portrayed. I feel a need to point out, as I did in my podcast a couple days ago, about how frequently the judge in this case has had to stop the trial because of the prosecution's continuous efforts to violate court decorum by making statements to alleged facts that were not in evidence or to try to circumvent judge judicial rule that said they could not allude to certain speculations. Why this case is still going on is beyond me. Now, I do not pity the jury in this case, as they have a very difficult decision to make. And while, yes, they have been instructed not to discuss the case with anybody, or read, or listen to any media on the case, we know that in today's era, that's nigh impossible, unless you are sequestered without access to a computer, telephone, radio, phone, or even a newspaper, which is very unlikely. Plus, we know that there are those who have tried to identify the jurors, taking pictures of them, getting on and off the buses, and others who also supported the riots to begin with, making threatening statements such as, uh, the jury better come back with the correct verdict. Well, it doesn't take a, jury, a genius to know what they mean by that statement. Nor, excuse my phone, I apologize. Nor to understand that there is an unstated or else at the end of that threat. And why those on social media who have issued such threats have not been charged with jury, jury tampering or coercion is beyond me. Now, we've heard the prosecution imply that all the events of that night, such as the numerous uh, uh, attempted assaults on Mr. Rittenhouse, was instigated somehow by him simply because he was there. So, because he was there, he must have been looking for trouble. This is simply speculation, meaning 
They can't prove that statement to be fact one way or the other. Now, was it wise for Rittenhouse to go into an area of active rioters? And yes, I say rioters because they ceased to be protesters when they engaged in harmful activity. Doesn't matter if that harm was to a person or property. At that point, they stopped being protesters and became a mob of rioters. But I digress. No, of course he probably should not. He, he probably should have avoided areas with active rioters. However, at that particular time, I'm not even sure that would have been possible. I'm pretty sure the entire city was covered with rioters, or especially in the city, part of the city that he happened to be in. Now, so obviously he did not, nor was he under any obligation to avoid those areas. You cannot automatically conclude he was out there looking for trouble or looking to kill people just because he was there. So were hundreds of other people rioting. As I stated earlier, and as the defense pointed out, if he was looking for trouble or just there to kill people, as the prosecution has so adamantly tried to convince us, then why were the only people shot the ones who were actually attacking Mr. Rittenhouse? You don't see any bystanders shot which if it had been as the prosecution wants to depict, believe me, many more so-called protesters would have been shot, not just the three people that attacked him. Also, I would like to focus on the shooting of Mr. Rosenbaum. Here we have a 30-year-old man going after a 17-year-old minor, a man who obviously felt a need to compensate for his small statute, as is shown in much of the video footage, while he's running his mouth and trying to bow up the people that are twice his size. So he obviously wasn't afraid. The jury wants to imply that Rittenhouse was no longer defending himself after the first shot and asks, why didn't he stop shooting after the first shot? Personally, I would chalk that up to someone either, up to being someone either trained Rittenhouse correctly on the use of his weapon and the use of deadly force, or just plain good instincts. Now granted, I have military training which tells me not to stop shooting till there is no longer a threat, and that is exactly what Rittenhouse did. Secondly, the prosecution asks, why didn't Rittenhouse just fight him with his fist? First of all, uh, we're talking about a 30-year-old man attempting to assault a 17-year-old. I wouldn't expect any 17-year-old to go fist-to-cuff with a 30-year-old man. Now, granted, it might be a valid question, but that would necessitate the need for Rittenhouse to have put down his weapon, which would have been stupid to begin with, given the situation, because anyone could have grabbed that weapon and used it, and someone probably would have. I believe at the, this at the time of the shooting, Mr. Rittenhouse was in genuine fear for his life, given Rosenbaum's aggressive behavior uh, in all the videos. Thus, self-defense with deadly force, in my opinion, was warranted. Now, on to the subsequent shootings. I have to credit Mr. Rittenhouse for showing considerable restraint. As I pointed out earlier, the only people shot were those that were actively assaulting him. I'm not certain at the age of 17 I could have showed that level of restraint. If at 17 I were being chased by a mob of rioters, 
to be honest, I likely would have perceived anyone coming in my direction as a potential threat and shot them. The fact that he was in control enough to only shoot credible, immediately immediate threats shows great restraint and definitely does not support the prosecution's theory that he was just simply there to shoot people. I also want to point out that in the case of the shooting of Anthony Huber, the video plainly shows that Mr. Huber was not shot until he hit Rittenhouse not once, but twice with the skateboard. And in the video, you can clearly see as Huber steps over top of Rittenhouse, he clearly grabs the barrel of the weapon and tries to take it from Rittenhouse. As he steps over, Rittenhouse is on his back. The weapon and his arms extend up over his head from the force Mr. Hubert used to try to take the weapon. Only a fool would view this and think that Rittenhouse was tracking Huber with the weapon. And then he fired. It's simple physics. And my guess, though no one seems to notice, is that the shot most likely was accidental simply because of the force Mr. Huber used causing Rittenhouse to inadvertently pull the trigger because the weapon reached the limit of what his arms could stretch and caused the trigger to be depressed as it pushed against his finger. Not his finger pushing against the trigger, the trigger pushing against his finger. As I said before, in my opinion, yes, the prosecution tried to make some valid points in their closing statements, but those points were simply not supported by the evidence or were based on speculation and conjecture, from what I have seen at least. I said it Saturday and I'll say it again. This trial has been a sham so the prosecutors can show off in front of the camera. Problem is, they suck at it. I truly believe that the prosecution has not proved their case beyond a reasonable doubt and Rittenhouse should be exonerated. Not only should he be found not guilty, he should actually be found innocent of all charges. But that's not for me to decide. That's up to the jury. I also hope that if exonerated, Mr. Rittenhouse ta if Mr. Rittenhouse takes anything away from this experience is that e is the lesson that even when you are justified, even when your intentions are good, that doesn't make them prudent. But making a bad choice based on good intentions also does not make you a criminal. Again, just my opinion. This is Troy has been Troy Shelby with the Rant Reloaded saying if today's political climate isn't pissing you off, then you're not paying attention. And I'll add that in my opinion, this sham trial is indeed politically motivated. This has been a special edition of The Rant Reloaded. You can catch our normal broadcast every Wednesday on Facebook, Spotify, or on our website, therantreloaded.com. Hope to have you there. Good night, and God bless.